Hi, this is Edwin Crozier of the Franklin Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. The lesson we are about to hear was part of our fall focus in 2008, entitled Zealous for Good Deeds. As we wrapped up our month of good deeds, we wanted to recognize that none of us were in this alone. Rather, God has put us together so we might stimulate one another to love and good deeds. This lesson looks at what that means and how we can do it. So open your Bible and get ready to learn to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. As was already expressed earlier, we're in our fall focus this month. For our guests, so you'll know what that means, we've been taking this entire month focusing it on one topic. And we started off with a gospel meeting where Philip Shoemake from East End in Lexington, Kentucky came and worked with us in that effort. And then we continued our study throughout this month. And one of the things we did is prepared a little deck of cards that had a little good deed that we could do uh, for 30 days, one a day for 30 days. And we're going to read one of these here in just a moment, but I want to invite our guests. We have extra copies of these sitting out on our table. This is our last Sunday involved in this fall focus. And we, we've given away uh, to our members and also to the community almost 500 of these little packs of cards to encourage folks to be involved in good deeds. So I'm really excited about that. And we invite you to take one for you and your family. Uh, everyone who can read can, can take one. And we've got several still there on the table, and so we invite you on your way out to make sure that you get one of these packs of cards. You don't have to do it with us. You can start tomorrow and just do it on your own all the way through the 30 days. And I guarantee you that if you work through it, it'll be helpful for you in being zealous for good deeds and helpful for your family. Today we're on day 26, and today's topic is supporting the saints. It says our message from 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 12, For the ministry of the service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgiving to God. That's 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 12. The meaning, the little devotional message we have with it, one of the greatest actions a Christian or a church can take part in is the assistance of saints in needs. We must not overlook the opportunities to practice good deeds for our brothers and sisters in Christ. These acts of service produce physical and spiritual fruit as both the giver and the recipient exercise good management of their funds, and offer prayers of praise and thanksgiving to God. These deeds also increase and demonstrate the unity and the love of the church. Let us seek to fully supply the needs of our spiritual family. The practical idea and suggestion for a good deed today, contact a preacher who regularly works overseas and find out how you can assist his family or the saints he works with. Of course, we have preachers that we support. You can go back and take a look at how to contact them. In today's bulletin, in the article, I included a website, and right now my mind's blanking. I think it's worldevangelism.com. Brother John Maddox, who preaches up in Canada, runs that. But he talks about a lot of different preachers that are preaching overseas. You can check out that website and find out about folks that are, that are preaching in other places, and you can help be involved in that and participate in that by helping them out. So what a good thing for us to do today or to do this week. Well, as we wrap up, we're wanting to recognize that Individually, we're not alone in this work of good deeds. God hasn't just sat us down here to try to figure it out and motivate ourselves and, and constantly be on fire just all by ourselves. Now, we all know Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. We've heard all kinds of sermons about Hebrews 10:25. We probably all have it memorized just because of hearing all those lessons. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some. We know that's what it says. But sometimes I think in our haste to get to Hebrews 10.25 and tell people that they need to be at our assemblies, we might have missed the verse that came before that, Hebrews chapter 10 
and verse 24. On the board, I've got the New American Standard translation for this verse, and it says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Let us consider how to promote good deeds with one another. We're not here by ourselves. That's why God has put us together in congregations. Because He wants us to be pushing and prodding and poking and encouraging one another, strengthening one another, stimulating one another to love and good deeds. And here, of course, is the problem. We've been spending an entire month on it, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but Philip warned us at the beginning that, man, by the end of this month, you might be sitting there saying, if I hear the words good deeds again, I am just going to hurl. You know, listen, let's get past this. We're tired of good deeds. How easy it might be when we're done with this to say, hey, we've done our good deeds, that's it, we're going to rest for a while. What we really need, though, is to stimulate one another. We didn't, we didn't focus on this month so that in October we could be good at good deeds. We focused on this month so that in November we'd be better at good deeds. And in December we'd be better at good deeds. And in 2009 we'd be better at good deeds. And the only way that's going to happen is if we do what Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 says, and that is stimulate one another. Keep each other propped up and pumped up for doing good deeds. Let's examine this verse this morning. And I want to notice four things from this verse that's going to help us out and to understand what this is really saying. Before we get into that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we lift you up because you are the awesome God who has created us and given us life. You brought us together here today so that we can worship you and edify one another. And we pray that everything that we're doing here is stimulating, it's encouraging, it strengthens us to move on and to go out into the world and to be a force of good in your world. Father, thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for taking away our bad deeds and our unrighteousness. Thank you for cleansing us so that we might be set free to pursue righteousness, to hunger and thirst for it. And we do hunger and thirst for it. We ask that you would provide us with satisfaction as we go about doing your will. Strengthen us to look for opportunities and to seize the opportunities. And Father, today we pray that you would help us as we study Hebrews 10.24, that we might be willing to stimulate one another and we might be willing to be stimulated by others, to be poked and pushed and prodded and encouraged to, to go out and do your will, not to, not to be satisfied with just occasional good deeds, not to be satisfied with a month, but rather to be encouraged by one another to keep growing and progressing in that love and those good deeds. Father, we love you so much. And we thank you for loving us and sending your Son to die for us so that we can be good and do these good deeds. Help us, Father. Through your Son we pray. Amen. First thing that I want you to recognize is the goal. Our goal is love and good deeds. Now, we're going to spend a whole lot of time on that because that's what we've been talking about all month. But let's just let's remember some of the things that we pointed out. Our goal is love. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, Paul told Timothy that the goal of our instruction or the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That's the goal. James chapter 2 and verse 5 demonstrates that we're supposed to love our Father in heaven. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7 demonstrates that we're supposed to love one another. Matthew chapter 5 verses 44 and following demonstrates that we're even supposed to love our enemies. Our goal is love. However, we need to understand this. This is not some kind of ethereal or mystical love. It's not just some kind of ushy-mushy, ooh, I you know, get butterflies in my stomach when I walk in the room and you're there. This is a very practical love that is meted out in the world through our good deeds. This is an active love. Not where we're just sitting back and thinking about people. Not where we're just sitting back and 
talking about people, but where we're actually getting out and involved in the lives of others and performing good deeds. That's the thing that we need to recognize. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, Paul wrote that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Why? For what? Created in Christ Jesus just so we can go to heaven? No. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has recreated us in Christ so that we can do good works. Not just so we can get together here and talk about all the good works that can be done, but so that we can do good works. Titus. Titus has been kind of our key book this, this month. Titus talks about good deeds over and over again. If we look in Titus chapter 2 and verse 7, Paul told Titus, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Then in verse 14 of the same chapter, Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, (laughs) excuse me, who are zealous for good deeds. That's why he purified and redeemed us, so that he could have an entire people who are zealous for good deeds. Then in chapter 3 and verse 8, Paul continues, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. What was it that Timothy was supposed to, excuse me, that Titus was supposed to insist on? That those who believe in Jesus would be careful. They would take care. They would focus their attention on being devoted to good works. And then again, in chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul told Titus, Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Do you want to be a part of the our people that Paul is talking about there? Do you want to be a part of that our people? Do you want to be our people? Do you want Paul to be able to say that about you? Got to be devoted to good deeds. We find out from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, why the Scriptures were given to us. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Why did God give us the Scriptures? So that we could be equipped for every good work. Not so we could sit on our coffee table. Not just so we could argue and debate about doctrinal issues, but so that we could be equipped for good work to get out there and do things that are good. Good in our families, good in the congregation, good in our communities. That's what. That's why God gave us the Scriptures. And I want you to notice this one final passage, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21, If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the Master, ready for every good work. Does anybody here this morning want the master to say, hey, you're useful to me? You don't have to show your hands. But does anybody want that? Is that what you would like? Would you like for God to be able to look down at you and say, you know what? He's talking to the son. He says, that one right there, he's useful to me. You see her over there? She's useful to me. 
Would you like God to say that about you? That says, in order to be useful to the Master, we need to be equipped and ready for every good work. That's what being useful to the Master is all about. That is the goal for us. That is the goal of our instruction. That is the goal of our edification. That is the goal of our stimulation. We need to understand that. We need to change our mindset. The goal of all of this is not just so we can get to heaven. That's a benefit. That's a byproduct that God is giving us. The goal of all this is so that we can be doing good things that God wants us to do. That's why God did all of this. And that's what He wants from us. But I want you to notice what it says about how to get to these love and good deeds. It says that we need to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. You see, here's the problem. It's tough to keep doing good all the time. I mean, sometimes it just gets kind of old. Especially when the love and the good deeds that we offer to other people, they don't always return. You ever given love to somebody and they didn't return it? You ever done good things for other people and it's just like they slapped you in the face and stabbed you in the back? You ever done that? After a while, you kind of begin to get jaded and you, you act like, you know what? If that's what happens when we do these good deeds, I'm just kind of sick and tired of it. And so we might grow weary in doing good. Paul mentioned that in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. He, he encouraged us saying in Galatians 6 and verse 9, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we don't give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You see, Paul recognized it's, it's easy to grow weary of doing good. We can just get tired and weighed down. And even if everybody else is being nice about it, just after a while, it's kind of, I just, I just need a break. You know, haven't I done enough good yet? Paul says, don't grow weary. And Hebrews 10.24 provides the answer, provides the remedy for that weariness. The thing that we need to recognize is that God has not put us down here to, to just constantly be self-starters and self-motivators all the time. If you're ever feeling weary, that's okay. That's natural. That's what happens. But God has a remedy for that. And that's all these people that are sitting around you. Here's God's remedy. Look, look around you. This is the remedy that God has set in place for those times when you're feeling weary, when you're feeling weighed down, when you feel like, man, I, you know, I, I just can't keep doing this. The answer is for us to stimulate one another. But just think about that for a few moments. And I, I know we've talked about this before. But I just can't help as I get to this passage thinking about that word. Now, in the New American Standard, it says stimulate. And I, I don't know about you, but when I hear stimulate, I always think about when I was back in, in biology and they would, they would show us how those muscles work and they'd say, here, watch this, and they'd zap it with a, a electron, with, with electricity. You know, they'd stimulate it and it sends up. You know, stimulate. That's that kind of picture there. Consider some of the other words in other translations. The King James Version. That says, provoke. Provoke one another to love and good deeds. Don, let me ask you a question. If I said I had provoked you, what would you normally think I meant? Made you angry, didn't I? When we talk about provoking, normally we mean making somebody angry. All right, the New King James and the English Standard Version say, stir up. Brent, let me ask you a question. If I said I stirred up something, what would you think I meant? Cause some problems. Isn't that usually what? Boy, we stir up. Cause some problems. Uh, the NIV, I think it is, says spur on. 
David, what does it mean to spur something on? Okay, think about spurring your horse, right? How do you do that? Oh, come on, baby, just move forward a little bit. Is that what you do? No, you put this thing on the back of your heel and you jab it in the flank and it jumps. I don't know about you guys, but none of that sounds very good to me. You know, interestingly, when you go back to the original language, it doesn't become any better of a picture. There's only one other place in the New Testament where the word here, translated stimulate or stir up or spur on or provoke, is used, and that's in Acts 15.39. In Acts 15 and verse 39, it says, talking about Paul and Barnabas, there arose a sharp disagreement. So they separated from each other. Sharp disagreement is the same word as used in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 where it says to stimulate one another. Stimulate. Same word. Now, but now in Hebrews 10.24, it's pictured as a positive thing that we need to be doing, isn't it? I think it's just interesting that this word is used here because, it, you see, this presents a picture about what we're supposed to be doing. I especially like the spur on because I think that really gives us a great word picture about what it is that we're supposed to be doing with one another. It's almost as if here I am as a Christian just kind of I've plodded along the road and I've I've decided to just kind of hang out over here and I'm, you know, like a horse, munching on the grass on the side of the road over here, just being lazy. And you come along and you jump on my back and you take that spur and you jab it in the flank and send me running down the road. It's as if we're sitting here saying, you know what? I refuse to allow you to be a halfway Christian. I refuse to allow you to simply be mediocre in your service to God. I'm going to stimulate you. I'm going to provoke you. I'm going to be getting there in your face and pushing you and challenging you and prodding you. And you're going to be doing the same for me. Now, of course, this caused a problem for us. Most of us don't like this. In fact, I've had people get mad at me for just even saying this and point out, yeah, nobody has that right. Nobody gets to do that. Brothers and sisters, I'm not the one saying this. This is the Hebrew writer, inspired by God, that said that's what we're supposed to be doing, stimulating one another. We're not allowed to just let one another be lackadaisical. We're not allowed to just let one another be mediocre. Our job is to stimulate one another and to be stimulated by one another. Spurring each other on. Provoking each other. Stirring things up in one another's lives. That's what the passage says. That's what those words mean. That's what we need to be doing. But we do need to recognize that the text does tell us to consider how. Consider how to stimulate one another. So before I just jump in somebody's face, I need to take a step back and give some consideration. What is going to be the best way to accomplish this? What, how can I most stimulate a person to love and to good deeds? I, I don't need to be just constantly in one another's face and, and, and pointing fingers and all this other kind of stuff. I, I need to stop and think, all right, for this person, what's going to work? What's going to be the best thing that I can do to prod and push and encourage them to do what's right? As we consider how, we can turn to the Bible and learn some of the things that it says about how to stimulate one another. In fact, that's what gets us to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. He had said in verse 24 to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And then in verse 25, not neglecting to meet together or not forsaking the assembly, as is the habit of some but encouraging one another, 
And all the more as you see the day drawing near. By getting together like this, we encourage one another. And we are stimulated by others. By, by just the fact that we're doing this together. By the fact that we lift our voices in song. By the fact that we hear the Word preached. By the fact that we're praying together. By the fact that we spend time with one another before and after and get to talk with one another. We need to realize this is supposed to be something about encouraging one another. We're here to worship God as a congregation, but it's also supposed to be edifying. The whole thing is supposed to be edifying us and pushing us along, stimulating us to get out from inside this room and do good when we're out there. We need to remember that's what it's about. Another place that provides us with some help, and no doubt we could look at all kinds of passages, but there's a great threefold plan there in Titus chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, we know that's the passage that we kind of based our whole month on, zealous for good deeds. Then it goes on in verse 15, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Other translations say, speak, reprove, and exhort. I want you to think about those three things that we can do to encourage and stimulate, to spur on, to provoke, to stir up good deeds in the lives of others. We speak. We need to speak. We need to talk to others. You know, sometimes encouraging one another to do good deeds, all we have to do is just open up the Bible and just, just tell it to them. Just, just say it to them. But then there's a second thing. Sometimes we need to reprove or rebuke. There are times in order to stimulate others to good deeds, we've got to point out the bad deeds they've been doing. We've got to tell them to stop. We've got to con- expose what they're doing and convict them with the Word of God and point out that you, you just can't be doing that. And then exhort, encourage, lift up. What I hear in that word exhort is the fact that I'm seeing somebody who's doing something good and I'm letting them know that it's good and they need to keep it up and do more. That's one of the things I think we most often miss. A lot of times we're good at pointing out what everybody's doing bad. And we're good at the rebuke and the reproof and letting folks know you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, you can't do that, don't do this. We need to do the exhortation as well. You know what? You're really good at this. Keep this up. Do some more of this. We need to be exhorting and encouraging, catching people doing things right and and honoring them for that. And then one more passage, again in Titus chapter 2, the passage we read in verse 7 moments ago. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. If you want to stimulate others to do good works, then model good works. It does nobody any good to sit on the sidelines lazily, and start pointing the finger at everybody else. You know, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do that. Why aren't the elders doing this? I don't understand why the church is not doing that. If you're going to be stimulating others to good works, model good works. You know, you can get very specific about this. If you're going to go do something that's a good work, take somebody along. You're going to go visit somebody in the nursing home, take somebody along. You're going to go visit somebody in the hospital, take somebody along. You're going to make a meal for somebody, bring somebody along and have them help. You're going to go have a Bible study with somebody, bring somebody along. I mean, how can you get any more specific at modeling good works than to pick somebody out and say, I'll come do this with me. That's stimulating others to good deeds. We can do that. We'll be encouraging others and helping others stimulate them for good deeds. But we need to consider how. And finally, I think we need to consider who is told in this passage to stimulate others to good deeds. Do you notice that this passage does not say, and let the elders continue how to, consider how to stimulate everybody else to love and good deeds? Do you notice that? Do you notice that it doesn't say, let the deacons consider how to stimulate others to love and good deeds? It doesn't say, let the Bible class teacher consider how to stimulate others to love and good deeds. 
It doesn't say let the preacher consider how to stimulate others to love and good deeds. You notice what it says? Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. This is not the preacher's job. Not because he's a preacher anyway. This is not the elder's job. At least not because he's an elder. This is the Christian's job. No matter what role the Christian fills within the congregation, this is the Christian's job. To stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Look in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12. In Ephesians chapter 4, back up to verse 11. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 it says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Notice he doesn't say he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to do the work of ministry. It says he gave those offices and those roles to equip Christians to do the work of ministry. Whose work is it to do the work of ministry? It's yours. Doesn't matter which pew you sit in. Doesn't matter if you're teaching a class or if you're an elder or deacon or a preacher. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, how old you are, how young you are. What this passage says is that it's your job to do the work of ministry within the congregation. It's the pastor's and evangelist's job to equip us to do that. But it's our job to do the work of ministry. It's our job to stimulate one another. Now let's think about this practical. Now we've probably got about 130 to 140 people in this room this morning. Chances are you as one individual are not going to be able to consistently stimulate 130 to 140 other people all the time, are you? I mean, that's just not going to happen. But there's somebody you can stimulate. There's somebody that you can be in a relationship with that is more than just when we get together we're going to shoot the breeze about the weather, the stock market, the, the presidential race, and the titans. There's somebody that you're getting together with that your goal is to prod and encourage them. Let me ask you, who is that person for you? Do you have anybody in mind to do that with? Church doesn't need to assign that to you. You just need to do that within the relationships that you have. But I'll tell you what, there's the other side of it, and that's where the problem comes. Because you realize if, stim- if we're supposed to stimulate one another, it's not just about you stimulating all the people around you. Oh, I, I don't get to say, you know, look at me, I'm the spiritual mountain, and I am just going to stimulate everybody else because I'm the good one and they're the bad ones and they need to grow and I'm okay. I need to be willing to receive stimulation from others for loving good deeds. You see that? You need to be willing for folks to come to you and say, here's something you're doing wrong. You need to be willing for folks to be able to come to you and say, here's something you're doing right, do more of it. You need to be willing to watch the model of good works in other people's lives. We need to be ready for folks to provoke us, to stir us up, to spur us on, to jab us in the flank and push us forward. And instead of getting upset, nobody has the right to do that. They're getting in my business. They shouldn't be that nosy. I'm not talking about people being busybodies. I'm just talking about what the passage says. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. You know what? 
Is there anybody that you call when you're struggling with good deeds that can encourage you? I'll tell you what, I have people that I have to call every day if I want to stay out of sin and stay on the path of righteousness. I have to call them every day. It's not a just on Sunday. But you know what, I'll tell you what, one of the best tools for this is, is this thing right here. Now, now, you don't have to have an iPhone. Now, when, see, when I want to be stimulating, I told somebody one time, this isn't just an iPhone, this is an eye care. Okay? That, you don't have to have one that's as nice as this. Because if you're good with your money, you won't make that mistake. But your cell phone can be one of the best tools for this. You having a struggle? Don't wait till Sunday. Don't sit there and think that you can just work your way through it that day. Call somebody. Get encouragement and stimulation from them to love and good deeds. Talk to them right then. Tell them what's going on. And let them encourage you. You know what? I tell you what, if we were all doing that, we would all be benefited. Because I also have some people that call me every day. And when they call me to get encouragement from me, you know who it helps? Helps me. Let's quit waiting until Wednesday night and Sunday night just to see each other and say, that's the stimulation we're going to do. Let's get into each other's lives and stimulate one another. Let's give permission to others to stimulate us. Because it is a one another command. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. I have to tell you, I used to think, in fact, we have some guests here today that knew me when I used to think this, back in college, that I was just a man and I could do this all on my own. And boy, if everybody else would just listen to me, wouldn't everything just be better? Over the past 18 years, though, I've come to grips with the fact that I just can't do this on my own. Maybe you can, but I doubt it. And that's why we need one another. That's why we need one another more than just in this room. That's why we need to be stimulating one another to love and good deeds. I want to stimulate you right now as we finish up this lesson. Do not allow this to be just another lesson of our fall focus that, oh, okay, boy, I sure am glad we're done with that month of good deeds. If you don't have somebody that you are stimulating and that is stimulating you, I want you to think about it this afternoon. Who are you going to get? And I want you to plan when you're going to call them this week and just say, you know what? I want to help you and I want you to help me. Be specific about it. Be purposeful. It isn't going to happen on accident. And let me encourage you to make sure it's somebody who's not in your immediate family. I don't know how many people say, oh yeah, that's my wife. Let it be somebody else. And let's stimulate one another to love and good deeds. I hope this lesson edified you and glorified God. Let's remember what we learned. First, our goal is love and good deeds. Second, we must stimulate, stir up, provoke, spur on one another to love and good deeds. Third, we must consider how before we start stimulating others to good deeds. And finally, 
we must do this for one another, and not a way around for elders or preachers to do it. If you have any questions about this lesson, or if you have any spiritual needs, please feel free to call us at 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. If you're ever in the Middle Tennessee area, we would love to get to meet you face-to-face. -face. Please join us for one of our classes or assemblies. You can find the times and directions on our website. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We look forward to meeting you. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.